Welcome to the First Baptist Church Keller Sermon Podcast. Each week we make available sermons from Pastor Keith and our staff on our website, fbckeller.org. And on iTunes, search for First Baptist Church Keller TX in the iTunes Store or in the podcast app on your mobile device. And now, here's our associate pastor to families, Tony Richmond. Let's open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 17 and 18. The title of today's sermon is Be in the Fear of the Lord. Let's look at our text. Proverbs chapter 23, just two verses Verses 17 and 18, here's what they say. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. One more time. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. Be in the fear of the Lord. Now anytime we study a passage of Scripture, we always want to apply good Bible study methods. And typically taking two verses and ripping them out of their context is a recipe for disaster as it relates to Bible study. But Brother Keith told me, hey, preach whatever you want to preach. So uh, here's where we are. The good news is if you're going to do that with any book of the Bible, Proverbs is a good book to do that with. Because I don't know if you all have spent much time in the book of Proverbs, but you type A people probably don't like it very much. It seems pretty random. And as you're reading through the Proverbs, it seems like every verse is just some random thought that's pulled out of the air and just kind of piled up together. It can be somewhat frustrating to study. But the book of Proverbs is identified in biblical literature as wisdom literature. It's lumped together with books like Ecclesiastes and Lamentations who were written all by the same author, Solomon. Right? If you know anything about Solomon, the Bible refers to him as a wise guy. And yet, there were times in Solomon's life where he fell into foolish living. And so as you study the book of Proverbs, one of the Uh, methods that Solomon uses in his writing is a father to a son. Uh, Proverbs, most biblical scholars believe, was written toward the end of Solomon's life. And now he's wanting his son to understand and learn from some of the mistakes he made and to live in a wise way. And we need wisdom. Would you agree? We need to know and we need to think deeply about how it is we're to apply biblical truth to our lives. 
I mean, after all, right, the Bible says we're to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And wisdom helps us with that. Wisdom helps us to apply biblical truth to our lives. And so as we look at this idea of wisdom, what we're going to find today and what you would find if you studied all of that wisdom literature, literature is something very crucial for us to understand. Wisdom biblically, biblical wisdom, wisdom we would say from heaven is always connected with the fear of the Lord. So if we want to live a wise life, if we want to do a good job of applying biblical truths to our lives, we must understand what it means to live in fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, according to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 33 says, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, we know that one, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. But then verse 7 goes on to say, Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So in this pursuit of wise living, we must address the fear of the Lord in our lives. And that's our topic for this morning from these verses. Now, this idea of fear is one that we can all relate with. It's a human emotion. We've all been in positions where we've felt fearful, I can remember as a boy, I grew up in western Kentucky, and the house that I grew up in didn't have central air conditioning or heating. So in the wintertime, we had a wood-burning stove that we used to heat our house. And so it was one of my chores each day to pack in the wood from the wood pile to feed the wood-burning stove. And being the model teenager that I was, I often procrastinated my chores until after dark, which meant that I was walking to the wood pile in the pitch-black darkness, often scared to death, often carrying four or five pieces of wood, hearing every crunch of every twig, wondering what was behind the wood pile. We've all experienced that fight, flight, or freeze moment where we're scared and we're fearful, certainly as parents. We've experienced the fear 
that a parent has for what's going to happen to my children. How are they going to turn out? Are they going to be safe? Are they going uh, to make it in this world? But really fear, even as a human emotion, is always connected to something that we value. Think about it for a minute. You do not get afraid. Uh, You do not experience fear for things you don't care about. You don't stay awake at night worrying about other people's kids. You stay awake at night worrying about your own children. Right? So it's based in something that we value. And what we're going to see today from these scriptures is the fear of the Lord is based in our value of God. It's based in how we perceive who He is and how important that is in our lives. So we're going to see three things. Number one, the way of the believer is to fear the Lord. Number two, the interruption to the believer is when we take our eyes off who God is and start looking at other people. And thirdly, the consideration to the believer is that our hope is eternal. Our expectation is eternal instead of temporary. So let's look at it together. Proverbs 23:17. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. Well, what is that? What is the fear of the Lord? Well, we've talked a little bit, but let me just give you a definition. A good definition for biblical fear of the Lord is a sacred awe of God. It's a sacred awe of God that leads to childlike faith, trust, and submission to His will. Did you get it? The fear of the Lord is a sacred awe of God that leads to childlike faith, trust, and submission to His will. That's what we are called to as believers. We are called to this kind of fear. Now, we have to be careful here because there's a big distinction between having fear from the Lord and fear to the Lord. But it all starts with knowing God. It all starts with the pursuit of the knowledge of who God is. Without knowing God, there is no fear of God. So then the pursuit of the Christian life, put very simply, is to know God. That's why we talk so much about spending time in His Word. Because it is through God's Word that He reveals who He is. What He's like. He reveals His works. And through that, through the power of His Spirit, He produces within us this awe of Him that leads to childlike faith, trust, and submission to His will. So 
If we want to fear God, we have to know God. That's why many theologians say the most important theology is theology proper. The most important theology is knowing God. This pursuit of studying who God is and what He's like. So it starts with knowing God. But it's not enough just to know about God. right? Because there can be a sinful fear of the Lord. There can be a sinful fear of the Lord. Let me give you an example. Look in your Bible in Luke chapter 19. The sinful fear of the Lord is a fear from the Lord. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus tells a parable related to the kingdom. The fact that He has been given the kingdom. The kingdom is His. And He's going to go away. He's going to return. And in Luke chapter 19, Starting in verse 12, he tells this story. Here's what he says. So he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. Of course, he's talking about himself, right? He's going to get the kingdom. He's going to come back. Verse 13. So he called 10 of his slaves and gave them 10 minas and said to them, Do business with this until I come back. But the citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to reign over us. But when he returned, after he received the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him so that he may know what business they had done. So the first appeared saying, Master, your mina has made ten minas more. He said to him, Well done, good slave, because you've been faithful in a very little thing, you are to be in authority over ten cities. So the second came saying, Your mina, Master, has made five minas. He said to him also, And you are to have other uh, five cities. Verse 20. Another came saying, Master, here's your mina back. I kept it away in a handkerchief. Now look in verse 21. Why did he keep it away? For I was afraid of you because you're an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down and you reap what you did not sow and keep said to him, by your own words, I will judge you, you worthless slave. You see, the slave that was entrusted, this Mina, this last one, the reason he kept it away was because he misunderstood the nature of the master. He thought the master was out to get him. He thought that the master was this strict master that was looking to punish him if something happened, even with good intentions, 
and he wasn't able to return at least one mina back. The fear of the Lord. This is a sinful fear of God. When we think that God is out to get us as believers, when we think that God is against us and he's looking at us with harshness and he's trying to withhold something good from us, isn't this the core beginning of the first sin back in the Garden of Eden? When Satan came to Adam and Eve and said, look, God is trying to withhold something from you. God is trying to withhold something good from you. And as a result, they believed that and they acted upon that so they went against the will of God in their lives. And sin was born. Anytime we misunderstand the nature of God, we are led to patterns of sin in our life. So there can be this sinful fear of God that we have to guard against. But in the book of Jeremiah, the prophet predicts what will happen when Jesus institutes a new covenant. And here's what he says in Jeremiah 32, verses 38 and 40. I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. So you see what happens when Jesus comes in us and in our soul and redeems us, no longer are we led to run away from God and to turn away from who He is. We are led to be drawn to who He is. So that's what I mean when we say we need a fear not from God, but a fear to God. Jeremiah goes on in chapter 33 to say this, I will cleanse them from all guilt. Amen. He has cleansed us from all guilt. He said, I have taken away their guilt. I have taken away their sin. He says, I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. Then listen to this. They shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the prosperity I provide for them. What has God done in our lives? Well, in Christ, He saved us. In Christ, He's provided redemption and forgiveness and restoration and relationship with Him. So as a result of those things, we are drawn to the God of the universe to call out to Him as our heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us and wants good for us. And as a result, we can have this fear, this awe of Him that leads to childlike faith, trust, and submission to His will. But if you notice in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 17, 
Solomon adds a word or a phrase at the end of verse 17. He says, but live in the fear of the Lord always. Your translation may say, at all times or all day long. Listen, brothers and sisters, this idea of the fear of the Lord is not something that can only occur at some point in our past. When we think about the time when we were born again, or we think about a time maybe at some revival meeting or camp or some focused moment that God did an extraordinary work in our lives. Instead, this fear of the Lord is to be occurring always, at all times, and in every part of our lives. That's what he's calling us to. And so this fear of the Lord is the difference between hypocritical performance and genuine knowledge of God that leads to heartfelt obedience. Hypocritical performance versus genuine knowledge of God that leads to heart-based obedience. You see, Jesus reserved his harshest criticisms for those who put on an outward show. Those who faked it those who could make people think that they had it all together but didn't have a fear of the Lord in their hearts. Jesus was very harsh and was very firm and was very direct to those people to call out, you who stand up in the gatherings and pray with eloquent, eloquent phrases and words, I know your heart. There's no fear of the Lord in your hearts. Those who go and give offerings and gifts so other people can see. Jesus says, I know your heart. There's no fear. That's not heart-based obedience. That's people-pleasing. And Jesus said about those kind of people, they already have their reward. Their reward is only found in the here and now. And so look, I don't know about you all, brothers and sisters. I don't want to be like that. Right? I want to have a kind of obedience and submission that's not fake, but it's real at the level of the heart. In order to do that, it's got to exist always at all times and in every area of our life. It's this common godliness that takes place in the everyday of our lives. It's common to every area of life. I heard one uh, author uh, say it like this. Brothers and sisters, be comforted and be warned. You're never in any situation or any location where you're living outside the presence of the Lord. Right? Be comforted by this truth. 
you're never outside the presence of the Lord. And be warned by this truth. You're never outside the presence of the Lord. As a result, we need to be in the fear of the Lord always. I don't know if any of you are a little different like I am. And you like to eat your food one thing at a time. I don't, I'm, I'm just like that. If you are, you probably appreciate the old school cafeteria trays where they're all segmented and you don't have to worry about things touching one another and that kind of thing. I appreciate that. But brothers and sisters, we're in danger of treating our faith in this segmented reality. Okay, over here, I have my faith life. I have my God life. That happens on Sunday mornings. Maybe a few minutes during the week when I read his word, but then it stays in this section. And over here, I have my work life. And over here, I have my recreational life. And over here, I have my family life. And over here, I have my social life. And these parts of life, they stay segmented. That's fake faith. That's not real fear of the Lord. Real fear of the Lord is understanding that when Jesus comes in, He changes everything. He doesn't just want one piece of our life. He doesn't just impact one section or sliver of our life. He changes all of it. I heard an illustration about this guy who invited Jesus over to his house. He said, Jesus, he opened the door and invited Jesus in. He said, Jesus, here's our living room. Here's the area of our house, our family. We pray together. We sing songs about you. We read your word together right here in our living room. And let me show you over here. This is our kitchen. And this is where we gather around the table together. And we're grateful to thank you as a family for all of your provisions, how you provide for our family and you're so good to us and over here's our bedroom this is where first thing in the morning when we wake up we're thinking about you and we're praying to you and then as we go to bed each night we're ending our day in prayer and so this guy's giving Jesus a tour of his whole house and as they're ending the tour and about to walk out they pass the staircase and up under the staircase there's this little door, and it's closed, and it's got a padlock on it. And as they're walking by, Jesus says, well, how about this room? And the guy says, okay, Jesus, well, maybe you didn't hear. Look at how much space we have in our living room, in our kitchen. We spend all this time, this section over here, that's, that's kind of off limits. That's just only the part that I get to keep. That's mine to have. That's not the way Jesus works, brothers and sisters. Well, pastor has said it. 
And I think it were it's worth receiving it, uh, repeating it. If Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Right? Jesus wants all of it. And so when we think about what it means to live in the fear of the Lord, this is it. It's to respond to who he is with total awe and submission and trust that encompasses every area of our lives. That's the way of the believer. What's the interruption? Well, Solomon in chapter 23, verse 17, he starts with the interruption. He says this, do not let your heart envy sinners. What gets in the way of us fearing the Lord like this? Being in constant awe of Him and submission to Him and living in accordance with who He is. Well, what gets in the way is the fact that we live in a sinful world. And here's what we're tempted to do. We're tempted to look around at others and start comparing our lives with their lives. Has this ever happened to you? Lord, I'm prayerful. I'm trying to live for you. I'm spending time in your word. I want you to use my life. I want to be faithful. I don't want to fake it. I want something real. But as I look at people who don't care anything about you, it seems like their life is so much better. It seems like they don't struggle. It seems like their marriages are great. It seems like their families are great. It seems like everything that they do, there's lots of money, right? It seems like I'm trying to do it your way. And around every turn, there's trial and hardship and I'm stumbling and nothing seems to come very easy. And over here, these people seem to just be flourishing. What are we tempted to do? We start seeing those things. Maybe God's not as good as I think he is. Maybe I should become a little more pragmatic in my life and just do whatever works. Brothers, sometimes, many times, what works is not what's right. What produces the most comfort and the most results in this life is not the will of God for our lives. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of this guy, but there's an author of some of the Psalms named Asaph. And evidently he struggled with this as well. Let's look uh, quickly at this. Look, look in Psalm 73. Asaph struggled with this. So if you ever find yourself struggling with these thoughts, these perspectives, go to Psalm 73. You'll be encouraged. Starting in verse 3, look what he says. It sounds a lot like Proverbs 23. For I was envious of the arrogant as I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no pain in death 
Their bodies are fat. They're not in trouble like other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Therefore, pride is like a necklace. Garment of violence covers them. Their eye bulges from fatness and the imaginations of their heart run riot. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from our on high. Look at this. They have even set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue parades through the earth. And yet, everything's just fine with them. Asaph's struggling with this until, look in verse 16, when I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight until I came into the sanctuary of the Lord. Then I perceived therein. You see the solution to overcoming this envy? Take your eyes off other people and redirect them onto the Lord. Asaph was struggling to understand how can these things be until he came back into the presence of the Lord. And once he was reminded of the goodness and the faithfulness and the sovereignty of God, he discerned the end of these people who seem to have it all together and prosper uh, in this life. So that's an interruption to us. But the consideration is there as well. Back in Proverbs 23, verse 18, this is exactly what Solomon says. Surely there is a hope, there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Theirs will be. The hope of those who are putting their faith and trust in the things of this world and doing what seems to provide comfort and seems to provide success and prosperity in this world, their hope will end. And one day, they will be hopeless. For those who are not in Christ, maybe that's somebody here today. Maybe you have never trusted in Jesus alone to save you from your sins. Maybe you thought, hey, I'm a good person, so God's good with me. But you've never repented of your sinfulness and trusted in Christ alone. Let me be as clear and compassionate with you as I can be. You should fear God. Because one day, His patience will end. And one day, he will pour his just wrath out on your soul. And you will be hopeless forever. And you will be cut off from God eternally. So the call for you today is to repent. You're not a good person. There's not enough good works 
that you can do to please God. Your only hope is to submit yourself to the Lordship of Christ, repenting of your sins, placing your faith in Christ alone, and be saved. For those of us who are already followers of Christ, fear the Lord. Live in the fear of the Lord always, at all times, in all circumstances. Trust Him. Have an awe of God that doesn't push us away from God, but draws them, uh, draws us to God to believe childlike faith that leads to submission and obedience at the level of the heart. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are. And Lord, it is, as believers, our lifelong pursuit to have an intimate knowledge of you, that your spirit may produce within us an awe that humbles us, that reminds us, that guides us into childlike faith, submission, and trust in your will. Lord, do that for your glory and our good. Lord, I would pray for anybody here today that's under your wrath. Their sin has not been forgiven because they haven't repented and believed in Christ alone. Lord, may today be the day of their salvation. Lord, help us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. For your glory, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to our broadcast. To learn more about First Baptist Church in Keller, Texas, or to hear more sermons by Pastor Keith and our staff, visit us online at fbckeller.org. Thank you.